I'll admit that when I was, um, uh, Jonathan gave me a, a sermon that he wanted me to, or a topic he wanted me to speak on this morning. And when I'm preparing sermons, they tend to fall into one of two categories. One is I get everything written down, I know what I want to say and how I'm going to say it, and it's great. And the other is kind of what happens today, where I know where I'm starting and I know where the middle is and I know where I'm going, but I'm not quite sure how we're going to get there. And... Um, of course, coming into the service this morning, you won't be surprised to hear that pretty much everything that people have stood up and said at the front here this morning is connecting with what I'm speaking on. And uh, Colin, I had to come and see, see him because I could see he was leaving. He basically, a minute ago, just summarised my sermon in one sentence. So I just said, you know, just want you to know that, Colin. That, you know, God knows what he's doing. Weird, isn't it? I don't know. It's weird how God knows what he's doing. Anyway, so, <laughs> so what I want to speak on this morning is um, discipleship. Now, I'm going to use the Jonathan Dirk style of sermon. He doesn't know this yet. Uh, so um, what I want to do is kind of look at what it means to be a disciple and then look at the ways that we can kind of get started, make a start on it. You know? So I want to start with um, a verse, first of all, from Philippians chapter 1. It's verse 27, if you have your Bibles... Um, uh, it's going to come up on the screen as well. Um, we've, we've found a particular quirk of the, the verses that come up on the screen, so you'll see what I mean in a moment. It says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, this is Paul speaking, by the way, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the... And that's as much as we get. <laughs> now, if anyone's got their Bibles open, there should be two words at the end of that verse, which are? One word, okay. Anyone got two words? Good news. Okay, the, yeah, the kind of the key point of that verse is missing. But anyway, there we go. Yeah, the good news. The gospel. The good news. So let's, uh, let me just read my, my version again, just the last part. I will know that you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Now, Jonathan's just said, you know, we, we don't often talk about the good news. So what is the good news? It may be that today's your first time in church. I don't know. It may be that you've never heard about this good news before. I love the way how this is. A, it's a very British way of describing it. You know, it's good news. It's a lot more than that. But, we, you know, it's good news. I was, yesterday, I, I, I have to tell you this story. Nothing to do with what I'm going to say today. But anyway, uh, it's, it's a very British thing, isn't it? It's, it's good news. Very good news. We, I was at um, Silverstone yesterday with my dad at the uh, Vintage Sports Car Club races. And there were lots of races going on. And it's always fascinating how they have these cars of all different eras. They put them together in a race. And yet, you can forget F1. There were six or seven cars going round together the whole time, changing places, you know, four or five overtakes in two corners. It was amazing. And we were together in this grandstand, and there was this one particular race. It was the, called the Austin Centenary Race. So all of the cars were Austins. And there were three at the front who were having a real ding-dong battle. You could hear Murray Walker. You know, it was that kind of battle. It was amazing. And then right at the back of this race, there was this Austin 7. And there was a, a man basically taking his car for a, a Sunday drive or a Saturday drive around Silverstone in his Austin 7. So the cars at the front were doing laps in one minute, 10 seconds. And he was at the back taking about two minutes. I think his best lap was two minutes. 
And we get to the end of the race, and we're all in this grandstand together, and as the winners come past, they say, oh, very good, well done, excellent, amazing race, fantastic race. And then we wait, and we wait, <laughs> and we wait, and eventually, about two minutes later, this little Austin 7 comes past, and I promise you, the whole grandstand, as one, rose, went, yes, as <laughs> this car went past. It's so British, isn't it? <laughs> we're always fighting for the underdog. And it just got me thinking, as this grandstand rose as one, when we talk about the good news, that's the kind of news it is. It's the news. It's the great news. It's the greatest story ever told. News. You see, first of all, there is a God. That's good news. There is a God. He created the world. He created us. He created, created humanity. And then he left it. You see, because he was God, he created it perfectly imperfect. He created us with the ability to do good and the ability to do bad. And then he gave us the will to choose. You see, if he hadn't have done that, he wouldn't be God. He wouldn't be omnipresent and omniscient and all-powerful and all those things if he didn't give us the choice to do what we want to do. And so, with Adam and Eve, he gave them one rule. You had one job, as they say. He gave them one rule, and he said, don't eat the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We're humans, like Adam and Eve were, and we know that if you see a big red button on the wall that says, do not press, what are you going to do? You know, they would press it. They were human, just like we are. And so they did it. They ate the fruit. And they allowed sin to come into the world. And, and we live now today in that world that you don't have to look far to see the results of that. But the good news, the fantastic news is, God had an answer. You know, even before he created humanity, he already had the answer. And what he did was he sent Jesus, his son, God in human form. That just blows my mind sometimes to think that at some point 2,000 years ago, there were men and women on this earth talking to God. I'm going to use Jonathan for this. Like, this is God. It just blows my mind that he was here. In human, they could touch him. They were touching God. And Jesus came down. He lived a sinless life. And then, as we know, he was killed on that cross. And here's the really good news. At that moment when he died on that cross... All the sin that you've ever done, all the sin you're ever going to do, all the sin that everybody's ever done or is ever going to do, was placed on Jesus. And when he died, your sin and my sin died with him. And then the even better good news is that three days later, Jesus rose again. He came back to life. Your sin and my sin is still dead. Jesus said it, didn't he? It is finished. And Jesus conquered death, and he rose to life, and he's still alive today. And that means that you and I can have a relationship with Jesus, and that we can spend eternity with him in heaven. That's the good news we're talking about. The fantastic, amazing, wonderful news that we're talking about. The good news. So... As I said, Jonathan's asked me to speak today on discipleship, on being disciples. And um, 
so many things that people have shared this morning. I just want to pick on uh, Colin's thing he just said. He, said. he talked about people saying to us, what is it that you've got? What is it that you've got? People in the street will see us and they will know that there's something different about us. And it's not just from the way we act, because I know lots of good people, we would call them, who aren't Christians. But they're such good people. So it's not that, is it? It's not just doing good things that makes a difference. There's something more. There's something, (laughs) there's so much more. And what else did we have? Um, Take your life to the next level was something someone else shared. I think it was you, wasn't it? Take your life to the next level. What we, and, and I wrote down in brackets, what we give might not be perfect, but God loves it. You know, he's talking about Jonathan's children giving him something, and it might be a, a stale biscuit. It doesn't matter. That child loves Jonathan so much she wanted to give him that biscuit. Now, I've been doing the leadership training course, as you know, with, uh, with Catalyst. And I've, don't get me wrong, I've learned so much this year. But the thing I'd say I've learned more than anything else is this. As a Christian, and as someone who's striving to do the right thing and to, to, to be more like Jesus, give yourself a break. Don't be so hard on yourself. Yeah? Is that getting through? Because we do, don't we? The second people start talking about, oh, we've, you know, we've got to do the right things and read your Bible, and you, you instantly the condemnation is, oh, that's you. That voice isn't God talking. God doesn't talk like that. Okay? The Holy Spirit convicts us, yes, but the Holy Spirit convicts us to do something about it. What the enemy will do will say, get in that corner and stay there and don't ever come out of it ever again because you're useless and you're bad and you can't do anything. There's a big difference between those two things. So it's important that we recognize that that we recognize when it is the enemy. He's talking to us saying, you can't do that. You're you. You? I mean, look at me. I had the story when I was, um, I was at uh, Spring Harvest, it was, back in Minehead. And um, they, uh, they were having a, a healing service. And um, they said, if you want to be healed, stand up. Now, I'm never good with that kind of stuff, but everybody stood up, so I thought, right, I'll stand up. Problem was, I was really small. Okay, so my two friends were standing next to me. Karina will probably remember this, but my two friends were standing, <laughs> standing next to me. And they were up here. And, of course, the adult who came along was all the way up there. And I remember they, they prayed for the person next to me, walked straight past me and prayed for the next person. I'm the one, by the way, when I was at school, it was, we were in one of those schools where when a teacher walked in, you had to stand up. And the number of times they used our surnames, the number of times I would get, Silk, stand up! I am standing, <laughs> would be my response. <laughs> oh, yes, okay, okay. <laughs> but God can use me. And I tell you, the enemy so often has said, look at you, Tim, look, look at you. you, you can't do anything. That's not what God says. It's not what God does either. So give yourself a break. Don't be so hard on yourself, because God isn't. Remember, he made you. He made you perfectly imperfect. He knows. Remember that story? He knows that he can count the hairs on your head. And I used to get condemnation even from that, thinking, he knows everything about me. No, no, no. He knows you because he loves you. And he made you you. And he knows what you're like. 
He knows you're going to get it wrong. Remember Peter, my friend Peter? He stuffed it up good and proper all the time. And God loved him. Jesus loved him for who he was. And so for us, as, as we're building our lives as disciples, it's, that's the first step. Know that it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to get it wrong. It's the end goal that we're looking at. That's the important thing. And as I was saying before, it's, it's not about legalism. It's not about following a set of rules or doing a certain, a certain set of things. It's about God inside us. That's the difference that people will see. And, it's, and so the question is then, well, how do we, how do we get there? How do, how do we do that? Well, then it's, our, it's all about our relationship with God. And again, there's no condemnation here. The relationship you have now is the relationship you've got. Remember this, at least you have a relationship with God. Yeah? That's where we start from. Not bad. Not you're doing it wrong. You have a relationship with God. You know, as, as an English teacher, my students never get anything wrong. They never get anything wrong. They always do things that they can improve next time. Yeah? Okay, we don't do it like this. Do it like that. Next time, do it like that. And they do. And that's how God wants to work with us. I often find myself, I think it's, it's an old song, isn't it? Break me, melt me, mold me, fill me. And that's what God wants to do with us, and that's what I want him to do with me, and I hope it's what we all want God to do with each of us. It's that we'll make him, we'll take, he'll take us on that journey, and he'll make us more like him. And yeah, there'll be some ow moments. There will. But God's in charge. He knows what he's doing, and he knows where he wants to take you. I've gone completely off script, which I told you would happen. But I just want to pick up uh, a couple more verses, the the other two that I had on the the screen. Uh, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. If you have your Bibles, if you want to turn to those. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. We've heard those words recently, haven't we? Then the next verse says this, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. But it's that sentence there, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. What we're talking about, when we become Christians, when we give our lives to God, when we allow the Holy Spirit to come into us, that transformation starts. We start as really broken. You know, some of us, I'm sure, were more broken than others when we first met Jesus, when we first asked him to come into our lives. But that healing, that transformation has started at that moment. And it's still going on. But... It's not the kind of thing that will happen overnight. This is another way that we get condemned. It's like, okay, there's this thing I do which I know I shouldn't do, so I'm going to stop doing it now. Yeah. The diet, by the way, starts tomorrow. <laughs> Never does, does it? Okay, because that's not how we work. And remember, God knows that. He made you. It's not how we work. 
It's about taking a step of change every so often. I'm actually at the moment doing um, a weight loss program. And uh, everyone says, you don't need it. I do. <laughs> um, and one of the amazing things about this, this program that I'm doing is it goes into the psychology of, of how it works. And so the first thing they said wasn't stop eating everything or you can't eat this and you can't eat that. I can actually eat whatever I want to. There are limits, but I can eat whatever I want to. But what it said on the first day was, think of one of your meals, okay, and it said, change one thing. Either reduce it slightly, or change an ingredient. That's all you need to do. So when I first started, I used to have uh, three slices of bread from my sandwiches at lunchtime. So I changed it to two slices, and instead of having white bread or seeded bread, I had wholemeal. I still have my chicken sandwich every lunchtime, but it was different. It was a small step. And then along came the next small step, and the next one, and the next one. And you find that as you take those steps, things change. And suddenly you look back and you think, I used to eat three sandwiches at lunchtime, covered in lurpak and all that. Oh. It was only six weeks ago, by the way, that I started. And that's how it is for us in this transformation that we're going through. God isn't expecting you. Here's another one for you. I'm going to stand here, and I want to get there. Now, I could try and do it in one step. I'm not even going to try, because I'm not going to make it. Or I could take one step, and then another, and then another. And sometimes you'll go backwards, just like Peter did. I'm keeping a record of my weight as it drops. The, the tendency is down, but it bounces up and down all the way along. And sometimes I put on weight and I think, oh, no, I'm going backwards. And then it comes off again. And it's just like that. There isn't, there's no magic switch that you can flick and that'll be it. You'll suddenly be perfect and wonderful. It doesn't work like that. It's a journey. And remember, God's on it with you. He knows you. He made you. He made you the way you are. Good and bad, all those things. And he knows. So what I want us to do today, it's discipleship. You know, what we're talking about is, is following God. He's having a closer relationship with God. But of course, our discipleship then leads on to discipling others. But of course, we can't do that until we've got it right ourselves. Yeah, like the blind leading the blind. And so that's kind of where we're going. That's where we want to go as a church, is that we become a, a, church, a church of disciples, but also discipling as well. But it's for us to take that first step. It only needs one step. That, that's all it needs. We're not talking about a giant leap into the unknown of doing things completely different than you've ever done them before. We're talking about one step. And so just have a think for a moment. Right now, just think of those things you'll know. You won't need anyone to tell me. Just think of those things that you know you don't get right. Just think of those things that you know you struggle with. I, uh, it reminded me, planning this this morning, reminded me of um, the ending of Animal Farm, if you've ever read the book. Um, don't watch the film. Read, <laughs> read the book. And the final line of Animal Farm is where, uh, just go with this, there are, there are pigs and, and humans having a meeting together talking together, trading, and the other animals are looking, and, they, and the, the final line of Animal Farm says, they look from pig to man, and from man to pig, and nobody could tell the difference. And that's what Colin was saying before. 
We want to get to that point where we're a people that we walk down the street in Worcester and someone comes up and say, says, hey, there's something different about you. That's where we want to be, isn't it? That's the kind of lives we want to live where people just look at us and they know. I remember a friend of mine years ago, she went to stay with another friend and at night, she, they were going to bed and before she got to bed, she knelt down by her bed, put her hands together and prayed. And the next morning, her friend, who wasn't a Christian, said, what, what, what were you doing? What was that? That was amazing. I want that. She said, oh, what do you mean? He said, just, just that. He said, it wasn't what you were saying or anything. It was just you. I want what you've got. And all she'd done was knelt by her bread and prayed. But it was what was on the inside that her friend saw. And that's what we want, isn't it? So what's that first step that you're going to take? What's, what's that thing in your life that you know you could probably do differently or do better? Again, this is no condemnation. This is not condemnation. This is okay. This is where I am. This is me. God knows. How do I take that first step? What will be the difference when you walk out the door today? What will you do differently? I'll tell you what mine's going to be. Uh, mine's going to be how I react when people cut me up on the road. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one to start with, isn't it? I remember, do you remember those, I'm sure you will do, the, the, the what would Jesus do bracelets that everybody was wearing, you know, all those years ago. And someone was talking about this. Brilliant, brilliant thought, brilliant idea. But sometimes when you're on the road and you get cut up, do you think, hmm, I wonder what Jesus would do in this situation? Hmm. Or do you on the horn straight away? You know, it's, it's great to have that in mind, but we want to be in the place where our instinct yeah, tells us the right thing to do. Not where we have to think about, hmm, what would Jesus do? I'm not saying that's a bad thing, please don't get me wrong, but by, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Notice that it doesn't say your actions or your body. It says the renewing of your mind. We want to be in that place where our instinct tells us to do the right thing. Yeah? So whatever that thing is, I, I'm probably uh, imagining probably 80% of you thinking, yeah, I could respond better to people who get me up on the road. <laughs> but whatever that step is that you want to take, think about it. And let's just take time now. We're just going to be quiet for a moment. Just tell God. Just tell him what it is. Tell him the change you're going to make. Tell him the, the step you're going to take. Because remember, we want to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's what we're going for. But we need to take that first step. Let's just do that right now. The, uh, the next step after that is optional. But the next step is tell somebody. 
somebody in your small group, somebody you know, in your family. You don't have to do this, but it's good, isn't it, to, to be accountable to people and say, this is what I've decided to do. It's, it's just one step. Let's, you know, this isn't going to change the world, but it's that one step on the road to transforming, to transforming our hearts and minds. I just want to finish with um, a final sentence about discipleship, kind of a, a definition, if you like. And I, I found this one uh, this week on the, on the internet, of course, uh, but I love this. Listen to this. Discipleship is ordinary people learning to live their everyday lives, and here's the clincher, like Jesus. Ordinary people learning to live everyday life like Jesus. That's where we want to go. But take that first step, just like we were talking about um, giving and serving. Take that, take that next step. Wherever you are now, it doesn't matter. God loves you. He loves you for who you are. Just wherever you are now, take the next step. And then the next. And so on. And let's go on that journey together. That's why we're here together at Hope Church, isn't it? To walk that journey together. So as I say, tell people. Talk about it. Talk about the things that you're doing. And God will transform you by the renewing of your mind. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you made us. We thank you that you know us. And we thank you that, could we even say, Lord, in spite of that, you love us. And you love us still enough that you would die on that cross for us if it happened again tomorrow. And we just thank you for that love, Lord Jesus. We thank you for that love that says, yeah, I see you as you are, and I love you, and I want to take you forward. I want to take you onwards. I want to take you upwards. I want to make you more like me. Father God, we long for a day when each of us walks down the street and people stop us because they see something different in us. Lord Jesus, would you help us to become that people? Lord, would you break us? Melt us, mould us, and fill us with your Holy Spirit. Make us more like you, Father God, so that our instinct is to do what you do. Father God, I pray for us as a group, Lord Jesus. Thank you for this group that you have brought together, this wonderful family, Lord Jesus. Father God, would you bless us? Would you help us to grow together as a family? Would you help us to go together on this journey, Lord Jesus, that we're all on? We all need to do this. We all have things that we, need to, to, that we want and need to change about ourselves, Lord, to be transformed. And, and Lord, today we say we allow you, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father God, would you come, transform us. In Jesus' name, break us, melt us, mold us, and fill us. In Jesus' name we pray.